each other here, but on this day, we are proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be reading the four gospel accounts of this as we go through. And we're going to have four from among us that are going to declare what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means to us. And um, this past week, well, I had a call, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, from uh, Ken Dudley, who was with us last Sunday. And the word was that their son Mason, Mason Douglas Dudley, had transitioned to heaven. And uh, Douglas, that, that is uh, Kent's middle name. They adopted Mason when he was four years old, and he was 12 years old now, and uh, gave him a home, a wonderful home. And I know he appreciated that very much. He couldn't express that like most can. But then also, a couple days later, I got a call from Rob Salmonson and Mary's father, Louis Skubik passed away. He was 95. But you see the word, the message that we have here today is that because Jesus rose from that grave, we who are in Christ will live forever. And that's the word, that's the message we have to proclaim. this time, let's release the children to their classes. That's, what is it, seventh grade now? On down. And let's greet each other. Greet someone. Find somebody. Oh, give them a hug. Good morning, everybody. There we go. Good morning. Welcome to Ten Strike Church on Easter morning. It is good to see you all here. Um, I was just handed this. Uh, this is something we started recently, but we do have a fifth grade through seventh grade class. Um, so if you're in fifth through seventh grade, feel free to head on over there. Uh, just a couple uh, quick announcements today. Uh, first, we do every week we have uh, activities on Wednesday nights. Uh, particular uh, in the morning, we have a touch point online with. Uh, Pastor Stephen Joyce. You can check that out in the live stream. Uh, that's on our website and I think on YouTube as well. Uh, at 6 p.m. every week, we have uh, Amplify Youth Group that meets here. It's a wonderful time, worship, games. Um, if you know any teens, if you are a teen, you are welcome to come. Um, you've maybe seen some of the teens today. They're up here dancing, they're up here singing. They're wonderful people. Uh, meet them. <laughs> uh, there's also kids' activities on that night and small group meetings. Uh, all right. One other small announcement here. There is an announcement that we are looking for any help for a young woman doctor who's coming from Singapore. Uh, they'll, she'll need help with her practicing her driving skills. She also needs to borrow a car until she's able to purchase one. Uh, she plans to be here next week, so if you have uh, any desire to help with that, please call Vicki at 218-214-2932. All right. 
And just a reminder before we start here uh, that our tithing boxes are on the back wall. Uh, we appreciate that. And we just uh, dedicate our service here today to you, Lord. We thank you for the gift that you are in our world today. Uh, we just bless our offerings today. We bless uh, all the giving and the goodness and the wealth that you have in our, our lives today. So in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. And I believe I'm welcoming up Jill. He's going to be sharing some verses with us. Hallelujah. He is risen. Let's do that again. He is risen. Hallelujah. Let's read from Matthew chapter 28, verse 1 to 8, New King James Version. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from, descended from heaven and came and rolled back the, the stone from the door and sat on it. Let me read that again. And sat on it. Verse 3. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him, and became like dead men. But the, angel of, but the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for his reason, as he said. Come. See the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Well, uh, thank you, Jill, for that. It's, it's a really good reminder to uh, just, just remember what the, um, Mary and Mary Magdalene uh, saw that day. It's, it's a really good reminder to just remember that stone being rolled away and the evidence that Jesus was risen. He is risen. So I'm going to turn to John 6. Oh, sorry. Hold on. My name is Carson Binder, and I've been attending this church for like around four years. So if you're not familiar with me, uh, that's my name, Carson Binder, and I have my parents up here. Uh, that's Zach Binder, and that's Abby Binder. So my parents. <laughs> so I'm going to have everyone turn to John 16. We're going to start in verse 5. So my heading says, in, I have the New King James Version, it says, the work of the Holy Spirit. So in verse 5, it says, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Let's stop right there. Sorrow has filled your heart. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. How would you feel if Jesus told you that he was just going to leave you? Right then and there. He's just going to leave you. Bye, fellas. I'm leaving. I'm going up. 
um, that would be kind of strange, especially when you spent three years with your best friend and he's just going to tell you he's going to leave you. Um, let's go to verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Seven. So we needed Jesus to depart. Why? Because he trusted us. That we could minister with the same authority as he. That's why it was to our advantage. Because if he didn't ascend, he wouldn't have sent his helper. And the whole reason why Jesus... So this is what I... This is why I believe in my heart, why Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead and he ascended into heaven. The reason why he did that was so we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and be filled with truth and confidence. So in verse 8 through 11 goes on to say, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of the world is judged. So we have conviction through the Holy Spirit. If Jesus hadn't given his life as a ransom, we wouldn't have the authority we have now because of his resurrection, which was needed for the fulfillment of scripture. So now as he's saying these things, and this is pre-crucifixion, this is before Jesus, I think it was before the, um, the Passover meal. Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, um, pre-crucifixion. He empowers us to be convicted and to correct ourselves because we are being led by the Spirit and not by the flesh anymore. Okay, so verse 12 through 15 says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. We can never be more free knowing that Jesus freed us from eternal death. Now he is saying that the Holy Spirit will reveal to us things to come and will bring us peace, bring us bring praise to the Father because of that. We can glorify Jesus knowing that he not only gave us new life, but also a helper who convicts us and shows us the way into eternal life. Christ did what no man could have done. We can glorify him with confidence we never thought we could have until we heard the good news, and that's the resurrection and crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So, do you want me to pray? Or That's all I have. <laughs> so, Jesus empowers us, and he has given us the confidence we have because of the helper he gave us as he ascended into heaven. So... Let's pray for a minute. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for that confidence that you've given us, Lord, and the Spirit, the Helper, the Holy Spirit that you've given us. And you've, you've trusted, Lord, you've put this trust on us that we can do your works, Lord, and that you can empower us to do so. Lord, I just, I just pray over this uh, day. I pray over... 
on this congregation. I just thank you for your resurrection, Lord, just giving us new life and doing what you said you would do. I just pray that you just continue to guide us as you show us your truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Carson, for sharing that good word. Could we please stand? And we're going to sing How Deep the Father's Love for Us.
Mark chapter 16, verse 1 to 7, New Living Translation, the resurrection. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. Phyllis Krakowski is now going to share what Jesus' resurrection means to us. Colossians 2.12 For we've been buried with him into his death. Our baptism into death also means we were raised with him when we believed in God's resurrection power, the power that raised him from death's realm. We've been resurrected out of that realm of death. We are forever alive and forgiven of all of our sins. My friend was born and raised in Minneapolis, one of seven children, a single mom, much upheaval and moving back and forth and questions unanswered. But by the time I knew her, she was a mature Christian living up north. One day, but still, when she would go back to the cities, there would be that dark claim over her soul of things that she couldn't change. So one day we were praying in my house and she said, I need to go back to Minneapolis and just spend the day remembering every place that I lived, every um, activity, whatever, just remembering before the Lord. So we set out on a hot summer day and we went to Minneapolis and that's what we did. We went to every place and just remembered before the Lord. It didn't seem real dramatic, but we believed the Lord was with us. Um, so at the end of, she said, I have a question. I have a person I have to call, but I will do that in the morning to answer a question all my life I've been wondering about. And so she said, let's go and eat right now. And so she had chosen a restaurant at the top of a quite high hill. And so we went in to order 
and the, I noticed it's getting green outside. It looks really odd. And <laughs> we didn't hear the weather report. And the waitress came and brought our food and she said, you're just gonna have to get under the table because we don't have anywhere for you to go. And I thought, wow, you know? And so we just ate our food and took our time. And by now it's raining really hard outside. It's getting dark and the wind is blowing the trees till they're just bending over. But my friend is in no hurry. And um, finally we got finished eating and we uh, were going out and people were saying, you're going out in this? I guess so. And we were just soaked by the time we got to the car. Now the street lights are on. It's really dark. It's was pouring rain. We can't see. And uh, we start on this hill, you know, and we come to the traffic light and it turns green. And she said, my car, the car won't go. I don't know what's wrong. I can't make the car go. And then <laughs> she said, we're in the water, we're in the water. And she opened her door and started floating out, you know. And I opened my door and I jumped right out and I wanted to see what was going on and it was clear up to here and it was cold. And then I got back in the car and we just sat there, oh, what are we gonna do? And the car kind of swirled around in the water and it was headed in the right way, but we couldn't do anything. We couldn't make it go. And so we just sat there and it's getting a little bit lighter and there's some boys up on the hill and they said, they were motioning, we'll come. they were just laughing and having a good time. We'll come and help you. So we all jumped, we jumped out again to help them and we, oh, get the car in the road. It's going off the edge. There's a fire hydrant over here. And so we pushed it over and then we pushed it up the hill and we, I don't know what happened to the kids, but there was a man standing <laughs> in his shop and he said, you better come in right now because I'm gonna lock the door. So we ran in, he pushed us in the back room with no windows and we just sat there and we, <laughs> we just sat there and waited. And then finally after a long time, he came in and he said, okay, it's safe, you can go out now. <coughs> and it was daylight out again, and, but our car wouldn't go. So we had to walk. Um, she said, we have to walk to the motel. And the geysers were shooting up out of the manholes and we didn't go close. And then we went across some um, broken down trees and whatever. We got to the motel and we're just sitting there. <sighs> what was that? And she said, it was kind of like a baptism. A baptism, that's exactly what it was. It was a baptism, yes. And she said, and that was the street, right where my, um, kind of the edge of my territory. Jesus took her right down to the um, place of death for her all her life. And he brought her back up to life again. And we were so happy and we got ready for bed. And she said, we can go home in the morning. 
I said, but what about the telephone number and the call? She said, no, I don't have to call. I'm, everything is just fine. And Jesus had separated her from that claim over her soul. He had separated her. Listen, resurrection is not just a fact and a theology point. It's a living experience with Jesus, who is life himself. Listen to this. It says it right in Colossians 3.1. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Phyllis. Could we please stand again and please join us singing In Christ Alone.
Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 9, the message version. At the crack of dawn on Sunday, the women came to the tomb carrying the burial spice they had prepared. They found the entrance stone rolled back from the tomb, so they walked in. But once inside, they couldn't find the body of the master Jesus. They were puzzled, wondering what to make of this. Then, out of nowhere it seemed, two men, light cascading over them, stood there. The women were awestruck and bowed down in worship. The men said, Why are you looking for the living one in a cemetery? He is not here, but raised up. Remember how he told you when you were still back in Galilee that he had to be handed over to sinners, be killed on a cross, and in three days rise up? Then they remembered Jesus' words. They left the tomb and broke the news to all of all these to the eleven and the rest. At this time, we're going to have some kind of special. Our precious brother, Pastor Dean Patro, has not been able to be with us here in the service for several months now. In fact, it's been over a year now. He's uh, dealing with some health issues and he doesn't have mobility but I'm thinking he's probably watching right now he usually watches live stream and we're thankful for that um, but uh, many of you know him most of you probably and uh, he's gonna share with us this morning from uh, the Northern Pines Center there and so Dean let's give him just a let's we, we love you, Pastor Dean. It's been about a year since I've been able to be in church with you. And so I've missed you a lot, prayed for you. But I have seen you on the uh, services online, which is not quite the same. So hopefully I'll be able to join you again before two more. Let me just share a couple thoughts about the resurrection uh, today and the importance of that doctrine. Romans 10 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, in your heart, that is a prayer of faith which we are preaching. That you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. And so here, we, one of the things that Paul mentioned is that our personal faith and trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is a crucial foundation for our salvation. Our faith is in the living Savior. He is alive today, seated in heaven, and is watching and involved wonderfully in our daily lives. He is alive today. This living reality of his resurrection comes to life in our spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we take the wonderful step of surrender to his lordship by simply speaking out, Jesus Christ 
I take you as Lord now of my life. Jesus Christ is my Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul lays out an intellectual argument for the resurrection. And in verse 13, but if there is no resurrection, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. There is no Christian church if Jesus did not rise from the tomb. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. See how crucial the reality of the resurrection is for our faith? But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since a man came, for since by a man death came by a man, also the resurrection of the dead comes to us in Jesus Christ. For in Adam will die also Christ will also be, and also, also in Christ we all will be made alive. Amen. And so this is a, such a marvelous truth that the living Savior comes to live within our hearts. And it's so beautiful, you know, 50 some years ago, I surrendered my life as the Holy Spirit came and knocked on the door of my heart. I surrendered my life, and Jesus came and dwelt within me by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he has never left. He's, he's always been there. And so God desires you to have a personal experience. God desires for you to have a personal experience of knowing the reality of this living Savior. You can take him today, you can take him right now, right where you are, by, by, by surrendering to this work of the Holy Spirit. He is alive. Jesus is alive. And I surrender to your Lordship. Amen. God bless you all. And thank you all for your prayers. Amen. Let's stand and sing, Jesus paid it all. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of weakness, watch and pray.
body of Jesus is laid into the virgin tomb, those who witness the spectacle retreat into the city that has claimed the lives of so many prophets. All are crushed that their teacher and friend had died such a horrible death. Their hopes are dashed against the rock of Golgotha. In the first hour of grief, Jesus' followers huddled together in secret in the city, hoping to avoid arrest and executions. They mourn, they grieve, they remember. Three days later, some venture outside the city and return to the place where he was buried. Miraculously, the stone had been rolled back and the rock hewn tomb is empty. Has someone taken his body? Are his enemy laying a trap for his followers? Or perhaps, could it be that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? Verse 1 of John chapter 20. Before the sun has risen on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene made a trip to the tomb where his body was laid to rest. In the darkness, she discovered the covering had been rolled away. She darted out of the garden to find Simon Peter and the dearly loved disciple to deliver his start, this startling news. They have taken the body of our Lord and we cannot find him. Together, they all departed for the tomb to see for themselves. They began to run and Peter could not keep up. The beloved disciple arrived first. 
but did not go in. There was no corpse in the tomb, only the linen and cloth he was wrapped in. The cloth that covered his face appeared to have been folded carefully and placed, not with the linen cloth, but to the side. After Peter pointed this out, the other disciple who had arrived long before Peter also entered the tomb. And based on what he saw, faith began to well up inside him. My name is, I didn't introduce myself earlier, but my name is uh, Peter Coffin. Uh, I'm a teacher and I'm a proud new father of uh, my three week old uh, Novella Joy there. And also a proud husband of my, my wife, Linnea. Uh, you can tell her, wow, you look amazing. It doesn't look like you had a baby three weeks ago. <laughs> now she's rolling her eyes at me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I better move on. Uh, uh, when I was thinking about uh, Pastor Steve a few weeks ago, uh, asked me to talk about what uh, the resurrection means to me. Uh, first thing that came to mind was what I see as the, the, the biggest, if you could sum up the entire, the entire Bible, which maybe seems like a, uh, a really big ask, right? It's, it's a big, thick book, and there's lots of stories. Um, but I think if I could sum it up, it would be um, a simple sentence, and I think that sentence would be that the life of God will always and forever defeat death itself. Um, and you see that, uh, I think it starts in the, the very first story, one of my favorite stories of the Bible. Um, the first story of the Bible, it goes like this, it's, uh, we start with the God of the universe. He's holy, he's wonderful, he's good. And it says that he does something spectacular and miraculous. He creates something called humanity. And what he does with humanity, it says he breathes his very life into humanity. Uh, and what it says, what he does, what happens when he does that, it says he makes himself an image in us. It says we are the image of God himself. And that's more than just we look physically like what God maybe looks like. It's that his very essence, uh, the thing, the very things that make God who he is, his character, his wonder, his goodness, his power, uh, are all breathed into us, humanity. And it says he takes humanity and he places humanity in this beautiful garden. In the middle of this garden, it says there's a tree of life growing. And so God is living with humanity in this place of beauty and life and wonder, uh, but there's another thing that's going on in this garden, we're told. We're told that there's another tree besides the tree of life, and there's a tree of choice. <laughs> um, it's an interesting choice. You, you might think it's kind of a, a no-brainer kind of choice. Um, if you imagine being these first humans and you're surrounded by the life of God himself, you're told that you are the very image of God, and the choice that you're given in this other tree is the choice of death. 
choice of death. Why would you ever choose death when you're surrounded by all this life? What happens is there's a voice of another one, uh, what we're called, what's called the adversary in the Bible. Um, some call him, you might hear his name called uh, the Satan or the devil. Uh, and this voice, what it tells humanity is, is pretty simple. He, it gives this little, this little lie. Oh, if you do something, you have to step somehow outside of God's life, you'll actually gain something for yourself. Um, something that's bigger and greater than anything God has to offer. And humanity takes that bait and finds out that the very thing, that the only thing that God doesn't have to offer is death. And so humanity calls itself into death and brings itself into darkness and evil and, and deceit. And God doesn't leave the story there, though. Uh, we're told in that very first story, the very first story, the beginning of the Bible, the first two pages, you can open up to your, yourself if you want, you'll find that there's a promise. And the promise is this, is that God does not give up on humanity and declares that there will be a one who will defeat death, will put death to death, if that makes sense, will eliminate death within humanity and bring humanity back to the state we were always meant to be in, as the images of God living and dwelling in the goodness of his life. Uh, and so the rest of the Bible is following that story. We see that death is played out over and over again in more ways than one. Uh, if I were to use another word, if I were to pick another word that I think describes the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the thing that it means the most to me is the word eternity. Uh, and when we think about the word eternity, uh, we maybe think of it as something that comes at the end of our life. We say eternal life is something after this physical mortal life, perhaps. Um, but I think what the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us is that eternity means exactly what it sounds like it means. It means always. It means now and forever. Um, there may be things that we are facing in our life today that we would call a death. <laughs> um, and we think of death as something that comes at the end of our life, don't we? But death is something that we can live. We can live death in so many different ways. And the Bible shows that through each and every one of its stories. It displays the way death affects humanity in more than, than one way. What God was trying to protect us from in the garden when we were making that choice wasn't just trying to make it so that we live forever. It was making it so that we would be protected from all the violence, all the greed, all the fear, all the doubt, all the shame that we can experience as humans. This is what death truly is, is we can, we imbibe it through all these different things, um, just like we, that Adam and Eve took that apple off the tree. We can choose death in so many ways in this life. And so when the Jesus breaks free from that tomb, he, he proves that we as humans can step beyond those daily deaths that we live, and instead we can step into a daily life. Uh, I think Paul says it best uh, in Romans 8, uh, one of my favorite scriptures. Uh, he says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, shall famine or nakedness, shall peril or sword or war, those are all images of death, aren't they? All the things that we can experience in life that are dark 
and evil and that will drag us down and place into the places that we think of as naturally human, perhaps. Yet in all these things, it says here in Romans, we are more than conquerors in him who has loved us. For I am now persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or any powers or things present, or any things ever to come in this life, no height, no depth, or any other created thing shall ever, ever, ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus today. That's eternity. That is right now available to you. So I just challenge us as we're singing this next song, this next song about there ain't no grave that can hold me down. That's not about just the end of your life when you're sitting on your deathbed. That's about right here today, that death that you're facing in your life, whether it be a relationship, whether it be something financial, whether it be something in your body that you're experiencing today, declare it. There is no grave that's holding me. There is no death that is holding me. Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ lives today in me. The resurrection is just as uh, present as it was the day that he burst out of that tomb. So we are so thankful for that. Uh, it's a celebration. Be celebratory as you sing this song. Rise up a little bit. Get clapped, maybe. <laughs> it's this exciting. So, uh, thank you. All right, I'm going to get off the stage now. <laughs> That's a good song, and we'll sing it in just a minute, but I'm going to share something first here briefly. Um, it says in John 11:23, Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, though they die, they shall live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And... Um, I was reading this past week from my mom's devotional book that she wrote, and I'm going to read part of an entry from that as we. It says, as I begin this day's devotional, my memories from the past flood my mind. World War II had interrupted the normal activities of people living in the early 1940s. And I know that one, a friend of my mother that lived in Hamilton, Michigan, was serving on the Arizona, the battleship Arizona, when it was docked at Pearl Harbor. And Trace and I went with Dave and Joan, I don't know how many years ago it was now, a few years ago there. We were at Pearl Harbor. That was really an emotional experience for me. Part of it was I was dealing with a cold. I wasn't feeling real good. Maybe that was part of it, I don't know. But, but we saw the ship over there and saw what happened. They had the videos portraying things. And, and I just started weeping, you know, because hundreds, I'm not sure how many, maybe somebody could Google it, how many died on the Arizona. If you find out, raise your hand for me but a lot of people. And so I called my mom 
on the phone and I said, Mom, did you say, because I thought I remembered she had said that. She said, yes. And she gave me the name of the person. And uh, so we were just sharing there together, you know, about that. And then Mom goes on in her devotional and saying, later on a friend I had known in high school received word that her husband was killed in the European European conflict, along with other friends and family. I joined the capacity crowd, 300 or more for the memorial service held at a country church near my hometown of Hamilton. The message of comfort, what message would the, the pastor bring? What message of comfort could he bring? As a youth, still in her teens, Many questions were in my mind. And see, she still remembers this. She wrote this when she was almost 90. Many questions were in my mind at that time. I am the resurrection and the life. Ring out loud and clear, so loud in fact, that 60 plus years have gone by and the words are still alive in my spirit. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe that? The pastor said. That was a question that took a bit longer to answer in an affirmative for me. But praise the Lord, I can say today, I believe it with all my heart. When we believe in Jesus, our spirit, the person we really are, becomes a new creation. The body we live in while here on earth will die and go back to the dust, but our spirit and soul will live on forever. That's the end of Mom's devotional quote there. So Jesus said, he said, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That of course is the spirit man, the image of God that Peter talked about, the spirit where made in the image of God. We are spirit beings living in these bodies of flesh. Yes, and unless Jesus comes first, these bodies will one day lay down like Mason and Louis did this week. But if we believe in him, we'll live forever. Just come to him if you haven't done that before and out there watching. Just come to Jesus. Come to him. Like Pastor Dean said, open the door of your heart to him. He's knocking. He's knocking. But you need to open that door. Receive. Receive him now. Say, Jesus, I need a savior. I can't save myself from my sin. And I receive you. And I receive your Holy Spirit that Carson talked about there. Receive you. Receive you.
Hallelujah. We'd be born again. Born again. So as we close this service today, I now ask you the same question. Do you believe this? Yes. You do. Hallelujah. Then we can sing this song. Ain't no grave going to keep my body down. And you got to stand for this one. you got to stand. As cruel as a grave Shame is a robber He's coming to shake my name Oh, love is my
said eternal graveyard, but also the daily living, like we heard this morning. Graveyards that try to hold us back and keep us from running the race. That's right now, today, where we all live. Hallelujah. I just want to thank everybody that helped with the service, AV people, everybody here, those that shared the word, it all flowed together yeah. so well. We just thank you. Now, Lord, we just give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and we thank you for your peace that passes understanding to be ours, your joy unspeakable, and Lord, your love that it may abound among us all as we continue to celebrate this resurrection day. In Jesus' name. And for those that would like to, we're going to have a prayer for Adam and Vicki. Uh, we're going to have Adam and Vicki come up front. They're going to go on a mission to tell this story, this old, old story. We're going to be telling it on a mission here. Adam and Vicki will be leading that. Um, those that would like to come, you just come up front. Otherwise, we're dismissed from the service and in fellowship as you go. I didn't be a little coffee left. I'm not sure what all's left there. Thanks. Oh, thanks for the breakfast, guys, too. Yeah. And Dan, yeah. great breakfast.